When we come to uh, John 3.16, you'll notice in, in your Bibles that uh, a new paragraph has started. Uh, and it's part of John's structure. So often in John's gospel, what you'll see is you'll see a, uh, a dialogue or a narrative, and then you'll see a commentary after it. And that's what's going on here. In verses 1 through 15, what you see is uh, Nicodemus having a conversation with Jesus. And Jesus and Nicodemus are, are trying to get on the same page, and Nicodemus is having tremendous difficulty because all the things that Jesus is telling him kind of fly right over his head and he has no grid for it, no expectation. Jesus says, you must be born from above. And Nicodemus is like, well, what are you, what are you talking about? I'm supposed to climb into uh, my mother's womb again. And, and uh, Jesus goes, no, Nicodemus, don't you get it? And then Jesus brings Nicodemus back to Numbers chapter 21 and shares an amazing story of the children of Israel. The children of Israel were moaning and complaining. They were being disobedient and the Lord brings judgment on them. And, and that judgment comes in the form of fiery serpents and, and many of them perish except this. God intervenes he tells Moses to lift up a bronze serpent. And if the people will repent, which they do, if you look at the text, they repent and they turn and they do what? They look. That's all they do. No work. They simply put their faith and trust in God and God heals them. Out of that model, out of that practice out of that event, Jesus relates that to his crucifixion, that when he is lifted up on the cross, that when we turn to him, when we put our faith and trust in him, he does what? He heals us. He gives us a gift, which is his eternal life. And so Jesus and Nicodemus, they have that conversation and then John now is an elderly man, and he's had time to reflect upon it. He's had time to think about it. And all of this is driven by the work of the Holy Spirit in John's life. And so out of that time of reflection, out of that time of, of connecting the dots, John brings this amazing summary of the gospel message in John chapter 3, verse 16. Take a look at it with me. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. If we take that one verse and, and parse it out, you're going to find that there's four parts to that verse. T take a look at ver uh, part one with me. Let me lay them out, and then we'll work backwards and unpackage John 3.16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's part one. And that talks about God's plan. It's God's design. Is that God had something in mind and he lays it out for us. Matter of fact, when we look at the language here and look at 
uh, for God so loved, John wants us to take a look, not to miss it, not to miss God's design. Okay, so that's part one of the verse. Part two is this, that whoever believes in him, well, that's our part. That's our part that we have to play. It's our response to what? It's our response to God's plan. It's our, it's our duty, in a sense, of responding to God's design. So God has a design, and we have a responsibility to appropriate that design. So that's part two, if you're taking notes. The third part is this, should not perish. In other words, that there's a design, there's a duty, and there's a danger. There's a danger in all of our lives, spiritually, that we would perish. And because God's design is to love us, he doesn't want us to do what? Doesn't want us to perish. And the fourth part that we see in this verse is that we would have eternal life. That's our destiny. So you get, so you get design, God's heart, God's purpose, God's plan. Then the second part is that whoever believes how we appropriate it, how we exercise our duty to fulfill God's plan. And then the third part of the verse is that there's a big danger. And then we get our, and the last part is glorious. It's, a, it's about our, our destiny. Let's start with the third part because it kind of unpackages all of the rest of John 3.16. What's the danger for us? The danger is that we could perish. And when we look at and put it in its context, John tells us the reason we could perish is that we have a fallen nature that we love darkness or we love sin rather than the light. Paul expresses it in a little bit different way in, in Romans. Come there with me. We'll just stick with Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Paul says this, For all have, what? Sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If we looked at Romans 6, verse 23, we would learn this, For the wages of sin is death. And then we have, that's the bad news. But the good news is this, But the free gift of God is, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so the danger for us is that we would miss something. And the danger is this, is that the darkness of our world, the depravity of our world, would blind our eyes and that we wouldn't see how God manifested his love for us. And God manifested his love for us in sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for our sins. Now, I mentioned a term a few weeks ago, and my dear friend Dan Diamato, who will go nameless, he said, what are you talking about? You're using all these words. How am I supposed to understand it? And when we look at God's love and how God's love manifested, there's three kind of words that describe it. Penal, substitutionary atonement. And Dan was like, how do you expect people to know what that means? And I said, well, Dan, you're probably right. They probably don't know what it means. But Peter's substitutionary atonement gets at the core of the gospel, and it's how God exp expresses his love for us. 
So if we were to unpackage that word and to help my friend Dan, who's watching, is going to critique me again. If we, if we unpackage that word, we understand what the love of God looks like. How the Father loved us in sending his son. The first one is penal. In other words, there was a punishment. There was a punishment for sin. And we know that Jesus Christ on the cross, he became sin for us. He took God's punishment. So that's what penal means. It's, a, it's about God's compassion for us and our brokenness is that he takes, our, he takes the sin. Second word is substitutionary. And I think that speaks for itself, that God took the punishment for sin. He became what? Our substitute. Penal, substitutionary, atonement means that out of God's justice, God couldn't let sin just go turn a blind eye to it, or he wouldn't be just, he wouldn't be holy, he wouldn't be good, he couldn't be trustworthy. And so out of God's justice, Christ, his son, the Lamb of God, goes to the cross for our sin. He becomes our substitute. He becomes the atonement for our sin so that we could be pronounced this. We could be pronounced not guilty. And so penal penal substitutionary atonement is at the core of who we are. Now, why belabor this? Why bother with it? Why don't we just kind of do a Sunday school lesson? Why Why do we use language that is stretching for most people. Well, the reason for it is that we don't want baby Christians. We want secure Christians. We want you to be confident in God's love for you. We don't want you to be going through life. Does God love me? Doesn't he love me? I guess if I'm good enough. No, the message of the gospel is you're never going to be good enough. That's why he sent Christ. And if you put your faith belief, and trust in him, which is our duty in responding to his design, which is the second thing that we looked at in the verse. So God's design is that you can't make it to heaven. God's design is because you can't make it to heaven, he's going to come and get you. He's going to come and get your heart. He's going to come and love you. He's going to come and forgive you your sins. And you don't have to do anything except this one thing, which is not a work. You just need to trust him. You just need to believe in him because that's how you appropriate security in Christ. That's how you appropriate the peace of God in your life. That's how you appropriate your eternal destiny is not through works, but it's by receiving the gift that Christ offers to all those who do, the, who do this, just like the serpent in the Old Testament, as we turn and repent of our sins and as we trust in him, as we express faith in him, he gives, he gives us a gift, which is the last part of the verse. The last part of the verse is that, but you may have, that you may receive as a gift, what? Eternal life. And so to be a strong Christian, to be a confident Christian, To be an unwavering Christian is to know this, what Christ has done for you, and secondly, to know that you have no other identity other than who you are in Christ. And so even though we live in a dark world, we choose light. 
even though we live in a fallen world, even though that from time to time we may still fall and still sin because we are imperfect, our salvation doesn't rest upon our works or our goodness or our righteousness. Our salvation rests upon the perfection and the glory and the love of God that we experience in Jesus Christ. So to be strong, to be confident, is to understand just what Jesus did for you, that he took the penalty of sin, penal. He was your substitute. He hung on the cross in your place so that atonement, so that the justice of God could be satisfied and that you could be pronounced not guilty before him. And so even in your imperfect even in your imperfect state as we all are today, that is not who we are spiritually. We are in Christ, and because we are in Christ, we live a life that is confident and secure, not in what we've done, but in what Jesus Christ has done for us. Come with me to Romans chapter 5, and we'll take a look at how Paul expresses this, this truth of what Jesus has done for us. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 6. For while we were still weak, love this word here, it can be translated powerless. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And that is the place as Christians that is transformational in our life, is that God, in his great love for you, sent his son to die on a cross for your sins. And if you believe in him, we come to the last part. Come back to John 3.16 with me. You should not perish, but you should have eternal life. And that's the security that we stand in as believers. As believers, we choose light, not darkness. We choose truth, what the Bible teaches us. And because of that, we turn to the cross of Jesus Christ in faith, trusting him. We invite him into our heart in our life, and he does an amazing work within our hearts, is that he sends his Holy Spirit to live within us. And that, and that language that Jesus shared with Nicodemus is that we are born, we are born from above. And because of that, we have our security. Because of that, we have our acceptance. And because of that truth, we know that we're loved by God. And so my encouragement to you this morning is if you're struggling, if you're struggling, does, does God love me? Does, does, does God accept me? If I were to go outside these doors and something were to happen and I would, and I would die, would, would God want me? And the answer to that depends upon Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ to you? 
If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, Paul puts it like this, neither life nor death nor anything in all creation would be able to separate me from the love that I found in Jesus Christ. And if that's you today, you're struggling, you're saying, I'm trying to be good, but I, I, I just can't be good enough. I, I would say, <laughs> if I could put it this way, I'd say to you, join humanity because you can never be good enough, righteous enough. That's what Nicodemus wanted to do. And Jesus said to him, no, Nicodemus, you don't inherit eternal life or the kingdom of God by, by trying to be good or trying to do all the right rules and regulation. You only enter the kingdom of God by having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and accepting the work that he's done on the cross. And if you do that, speaking Jesus to Nicodemus and me speaking to you this morning, if you do that, then you're going to have, you're going to receive a gift. It's God's righteousness, not yours. And when God looks at you, he sees who you are in Christ. And he says, that's my son. And that's my daughter. And so this morning, the good news is that God so loved the world that he sent his son. And our response to that is simply this, to believe, to trust in him, to have confidence, his work on the cross. And if you do that, you're not going to perish. And how does the verse end? But you'll have eternal life. And that, that, it's what, that is what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian is to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and put our trust in him and not in the things that we can do. Amen? We're going to close with the Lord's table this morning. Susie Carmichael's going to come and she's going to play a melody, a melody of songs for us. And if you would take uh, this moment and just prepare your heart to receive the Lord's table this morning. And if you've not come to the place in your life where you're, you know, you've, you've turned from your sin, you're looking at the cross, you've putting your trust in God, I want to encourage you to do that this morning, to really stop from your labors, cease from your works, stop trying to be good, and let God love you this morning. And open your heart to him. And let him forgive you your sins. And come to that place where you're secure. You know you're loved. You know you're accepted. It'll change your life now and for all eternity.